0: I found this this morning as we think about our offerings and why we give to the church here at Ferris. Hebrews 13, the writer writes this in verse 15 and 16. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess His name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. That's why we give to share, Um, not only to um, share with our family here at Ferris, but also around the world um, with our missionaries, um, the camp uh, down the road. That's why we give um, to share. So let's pray for the offering as we um, continue in our service. God, thank you so much for the people that are present here and online. And I thank you for the offerings and gifts that were given today. May you give us wisdom on where to use them to further the kingdom here on earth for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I want to invite any youth that want to come up here and be with me for a few minutes, okay? If you're a youth at heart, you can come up too. I know I put this on Facebook and kind of said, if you have any youth you know that are going to be in church Let them know they're going to be coming up front for three minutes or so. So come on up. We're going to be talking for a minute here. (laughs) Who are these kids? These are... (laughs) All right. We're going to start down here, and then we're going to make our way up to that table, okay? But I want you to answer a question for me. Can you answer a question for me if you know the answer, okay? If you all know the answer, shout it out. What is this? The what? The Bible. Can you all hear them? Say no. Say no. All right. What is this? What is this? The Bible. And you know what this is? This is the most beautiful book there is. Okay? To me it is. I want to give you some uses. Why we use our Bibles. There's some uses that we use it for. Now come up here. Okay? I want to show you. This is my bookshelf collection of Bibles. Okay? Now, Sometimes we use it for the original language. This is, what, do you, what is that? It's Hebrew. This is a Hebrew Bible. So if we don't know the um, what the English word means, we can look up the Hebrew word. Okay. What is this? It's in Greek. This is a Greek New Testament. That's what the New Testament was written in the original language, the Greek. Okay. Now these are all my Bible collections. Okay. Now what's over here? Everybody, you got shouted out there. What's up here? These are some songs, some loose papers. Some people will put their Bible on it for a paperweight, okay? Some of them do that. Sometimes I put it on my, my desk. I use it to keep a piece of paper on the table, okay, when I write notes. All right, some people do it for that. Now, I'm going to take another Bible here. All right, uh, what's your name? I know your name, Kyle. Okay, when people go into the courtroom and they have to give a testimony, they will place their hand on a Bible. Did you know that? So, can you place your hand on the Bible? This is what they do. They place it on the Bible, and somebody will tell you, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God. And you would say? They would say yes, because they're (laughs) not going to lie. They place their hand on the Bible to say, I'm going to tell the truth. That's what they do in the courtroom, okay? Now, Everybody knows what this is. This is a small Bible, right? This is a New Testament, small Bible. You know what happens sometimes? People would carry these in battle, and sometimes a bullet would hit it, and that saved their lives because a little Bible in their pocket. Did you know that? No. That happened sometimes. Okay. Did you know that, everybody? Okay. Yes, a grandfather carried a Bible in the pocket. Okay? Now, do you know another reason why this is the most beautiful book there is? Anybody? What is a reason why this is the most beautiful book? I have gave you some examples, what people use it for, but what else can we use it for? Because it tells us how to live our life. All right. Now, if it's sitting on my shelf, can I learn that just by saying, oh, that Bible has a lot of stuff in it. What do I have to do? Read it. Read it. Shout it out read it. We have to read the book. We have to read the most beautiful book in the world, the Bible. This is what we have to do to read it, to learn about God, to learn about Jesus, to learn about the Holy Spirit, to learn about stories that how God worked in those times, okay? So I want to encourage you to read the most beautiful book there is. Can you all do that for me? Can you read the Bible? try to. It's a good book. Is it a good book? Mm -hmm. All right. So you're going to take that one. These are mine. Okay. No, but if you want to borrow one, you can go ahead, but keep them here for now. Okay. So thank you youth. So let's read our Bibles. Okay. Let's pray before we go back to the youth service. Okay. God, thank you so much for youth. Um, I pray that they would have a good service in the back Help the teachers to have wisdom on how to teach them right, And help them to just read the Bible and enjoy it and learn more about who you are and how you are working in lives even today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, thank you, thank you for coming up and joining me. All right. Don't you love youth? Don't you love youth? Um, a store. We were on a, with Kelsey's siblings uh, on a little vacation, and we were in a house all together. And well, we did family uh, uh, worship one night, um, and Kelsey's brother's a pastor in Iowa, and he kind of led it. Um, but he was like, let's do a lot of thank yous today. So we went around each family and did thank yous, and we got to um, the Burrow family, which is Kelsey's sister. I think you've met them before. They've been here. And my nephew said, anybody can share what they're thankful for. And my nephew said, I'm thankful that Uncle Adam and Uncle Keith are pastors, so we can do this. (laughs) And that was kind of a cute thing from a youth, okay? They're pastors, so this is why we can have family worship. You can do family worship even if you're not a pastor, okay? So don't say, I can't do family worship because I don't know a family member that's a minister, okay? But that was just so cute from a youth that knows that this is why we do it. They're passing on the faith, our uncles and dad and mom and all that. So I want to, before we begin, I want to also pray just kind of a prayer for us, um, people that are online. Uh, There might be people that are hurting, um, that are ill, um, that are lonely, um, but I want to pray for those people right now. Um, So bow bow with me as we pray. You can pray in your hearts and minds as well for those people you know. Um, That are hurting right now. Because there's a lot of hurting people. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven. You are holy. God you see everything that goes on. You see um, what goes on in the lives of individuals. Sometimes we don't see it. But you know what's happening. But I pray for those who may be hurting. Broken. Lonely. um, Just. Seeking something, but I pray that you would be with them, that you would protect them, guide them, um, and help us as we, if we do see somebody that is in a situation where they might need help, help us to come alongside them and say, Hey, I'm here to encourage you. Give us wisdom on that. Thank you for those who are here. Thank you for those online who are listening. Be with each one. Help us to have ears that will. Um, Listen to what you want us to hear today. Um, Eyes to see what you want us to do. And hearts to obey. Thank you for, now that we can come to the word of God, thank you for the truth that's in it, and thank you for the ultimate truth in Jesus Christ that came and died for our sins and was buried and rose again so that we may too have new life in Christ. I pray that as we start the book of Mark today that we would be encouraged to go out and proclaim Jesus as Messiah, the Son of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Do you like to read books? Who likes to read books? I know some people may raise their hands, um, but I like to read books. And one book I just finished is called Racing to the Finish, My Story by Dale Earnhardt Jr. He was a NASCAR driver. I don't know if there's NASCAR fans, but if you are, you can shout out, but you don't have to. But I like to watch NASCAR once in a while, and I like to hear stories of people. And when you read a book, you want to know what the book's about, right? Now, the, the start of the, the, the cover says Racing to the Finish, My Story, written by Dale Jr. and with somebody else. But you want to know why exactly they're writing, correct? And this is what he says in chapter, even in chapter 1 at the very start. Here's what he said. I'm not going to tell my whole life story in this book. That's maybe for another day. But before we start down the road of how I got to the end of my racing career and how concussions played a role in reaching that end, I do think it's important that you get a little perspective I want you to understand who I am, where I came from, and the world I grew up in. Once you know a little bit about that, then maybe the hows and whys of my reactions to my head injuries and really everyone's reactions might make a little more sense. So he's writing from the vision of, I'm writing because of my concussions and I want you to know about how I did through those concussions. Then he gets to the end of the book and he writes this. He meets somebody at an event that says, your story helped my son, my brother. Okay? And he writes this, when we first started kicking around the idea of this book, people would ask stuff like, well, why do you want to write about this? Why do you want to share all the details of how bad you felt? Why do you want people to know you were out there racing a lot of times when maybe you shouldn't have been? Why do you want to try and explain what concussions are? The answer to all of those questions is the same. I want to help. I want to help people who find themselves in the condition that I was in and the fight that I am still in to this very day. That's why he wrote the book. So as you read the first chapter, I'm intrigued because he's writing from this perspective of these are my concussion stories and this is how I got through it and I'm still getting through it. Why do you read books? Do you pick up a book and say, oh, that's, the cover sounds interesting, so I'm going to read it. And then you start the book, you're like, ooh, that was not what I thought, and you pitch it. Or you go to the back of the book, they give you a little synopsic, a synopsis of it, right? The, the, the main ideas, a summary, and you're like, ooh, that sounds very interesting. You start the book, and you're like, no, that's not what the back said. Pitch it. okay? But then you get into a book like this, And he says, I'm going to write from that perspective. You're like, that's interesting. I'm not going to hear his whole story, but I'm going to get that. And we come to Mark, and that's the same thing that's going to happen. Right from the get-go, you get what it's about. So turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 1. Just look how it begins, because it's a very powerful intro, okay? to this gospel. If you're there, say, let's go. All right. I texted my, uh, one of my minister friends, my, my mom and dad's minister. Um, I texted him this morning, and I was like, By God's, may God's grace be with you as you preach the word today. And his response back was like, yes, we will. Let's go, baby. <laughs> and I was like, yes, that's excitement. Are you excited about Opening this up, the Bible. The most beautiful book there is. And we get to a glimpse of the writer Mark here. Again, if you're at Mark chapter 1, say, let's go. go. Alright, verse 1. Here's how it starts. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. That's what it's about. Are you excited for Mark? It jumps right in and says, The beginning of the good news, the gospel, about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. So there's no question of what Mark's writing about. You don't have to figure it out. You don't have to be like, do I want to read this? It's like, I want to read this because it's going to be the good news about Jesus. Is that a good start? We can stop there, go home, and be excited because the good news of Jesus is what we need to be proclaiming. And Mark does that. So let's read on. Here we go. And you see the title there, Go, Teach, Baptize? I'm going to kind of weave those in. Don't worry. But that's, if you go to our website, whoever goes to our website, the church website, do you see that? Go, Teach, Baptize. Is it on the bulletins? I forgot to look this morning. Is it on the bulletin too, the front Go, teach, baptize, right? If you see our sign, what does it say? Go, teach, baptize. So I'm going to weave it in. Don't worry. But that's what I want you to get today. Go, teach, baptize. And we're going to learn that through this first 15 verses. So here we go. Verse 2. Remember, this is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. And you would expect the beginning to be what? Be honest with us all the beginning of something of a person's life where do you think it would start the birth it doesn't start there i'm disappointed no i'm not because watch verse 2 as it is written in isaiah the prophet I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way a voice of one calling in the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord make straight paths for him he doesn't start with the birth where does mark start not well it's coming john the baptist is coming don't get ahead of this verse isaiah which is what a prophet old testament prophet a hebrew prophet He starts with the good news about Jesus the Messiah and he starts with a prophet. A Hebrew prophet. Before Jesus is born. Isn't that exciting? The good news about Jesus started before you even saw him as a human. What a remarkable beginning about Jesus the Messiah. The good news. It started in the Old Testament. One preacher said, the Old Testament is important to know who Jesus is. I've heard some people say, I don't like reading the Old Testament. I'm only a New Testament reader. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Have you read Mark? <laughs> he starts with the Old Testament. So you've got to read the Old Testament. Oh, I'm excited. If you can't tell, I'm excited about Mark. Mark. Verse 4, And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins, and they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey, and this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. You see, John appeared. The one who baptizes, John, appears in the wilderness. This is the first character you see kind of a a go, okay? Okay? He's in the wilderness. He's going, he went, he appeared. However you want to look at it. And he's preaching, teaching. He's going, he's teaching, and he's baptizing. That's the first character. He's doing all three of them. He preached a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. He was excited to teach that and preach that. And what happens as he's in the wilderness and he's preaching this baptism of repentance for forgiveness of sins? What's happening? People are coming, are going. So John's doing this. He's going, he's teaching, he's baptized, but the whole, it it, it says the whole Judean countryside, maybe not everybody went, but it's a large people, a large number of people went out to hear him. Do you go hear people teach and preach the word of God? And you're here, so you, you came. But is that an important thing that you do? Do you go to hear the word of God taught? These people went out to hear John the baptizer preach. They were excited. I don't know what made John exciting, but obviously he was an exciting speaker and people wanted to go hear him. That's what one writer said. And he's baptizing people in the Jordan River. What a remarkable example of one who goes One who teaches or preaches the word of God, the baptism of repentance, of forgiveness of sins, and one who is baptizing people. That's exciting. He's the person that's coming before Jesus because you hear him say this at the very end. His message was this. Now he's preaching baptism of repentance, of forgiveness of sins. He's preaching that. People are getting baptized. But look at what his message is, though. After me comes the one more powerful than I. I'm not the one, okay? I'm not the big one. I know you're coming to me to hear this message of baptism of repentance for forgiveness of sins, but I'm not the one. There's one coming after me who's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. That excites me. Because John says, this is important for you to come to me and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. But wait till that other one comes. There's somebody coming more powerful and mightier than I. I can't even untie his sandal, I can't even untie his shoe. Somebody's coming. Going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. I wonder what people's reactions were. John, you're excited, you're preaching this forgiveness and I'm getting baptized and I'm excited about that. But now you're saying somebody else is coming? More is coming. Verse 9, here we go. Now, uh, one interesting thing, important thing in that. What do, why are people getting baptized? Forgiveness of sins. And what needs to happen before John baptizes them? They've got to confess their sins, repent of their sins, right? If somebody came to John and said, John, I want to be baptized, can you do it? And they didn't repent or confess, is John going to baptize them? No, he's going to say, get back to the end of the line, think about it, maybe I'll do it. Right? That's an imagination, okay? But John says, because of your confession of sin, I'm going to baptize you. That's what we do, right? You repent of your sins, you confess, and then we baptize you. You say, Jesus, I I can't do it on my own. I need you. I'm a sinner. You just don't come up here and say, I want to be baptized. You I'm like, okay, let's go. We're done. And then go on your way. That's not going to do anything. There's no change of heart, change of mind, change of lifestyle. You have to Repent somebody's coming after me who will baptize you with the holy spirit. Let's pick it up in verse 9. At that time, Jesus. Now, before I start verse 9. Today and hopefully throughout my preaching of Mark, I'm going to do my best to only stick to Mark. So try to think with me. Don't think of like, oh, Matthew said this about it or Luke said this or John said this. Don't think about that. I want you to focus just on what Mark says because it's very powerful, okay? Don't think, well, we didn't get the birth of Jesus. Forget about the birth of Jesus right now. John, Mark's not talking about that, okay? Can we do that or try to do it? Because there, be, I'm in the back of my mind like, oh, Matthew said this, Luke said this, okay? So here we go. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. What? Why does Jesus have to be baptized? You're probably asking. Jesus goad went. He is going to John and says, I want to be baptized by you, John. And John baptizes him. Now don't get into like, well, Jesus was a sinner. Don't think that. He wasn't. He went to be baptized for a reason. And I think here it is. Let's keep reading. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, He saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. Can you imagine that scene? Jesus gets immersed by John and as he's coming out of the water, he sees the Spirit coming down on himself. I don't know what I would be thinking. Now one writer said, well Mark only says Jesus saw This And nobody else did. However you take it, that's a wonderful scene, though. The Spirit comes down on Jesus. And look what verse 11 says. And a voice came from heaven. You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. The Spirit comes on Jesus, the Son of God. Remember verse 1, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. The Spirit comes on the Son of God and the Father in heaven says, you're my Son, I'm very pleased with you. How would that? At my baptism, I didn't get that, okay? The voice from heaven, you are my Son in whom I am well pleased. I didn't get that. I don't know about you, if you got it at all, but Jesus, the Son of God, the Father says, I am well pleased with you. And then verse 12. Now, I want you to picture something, okay? I want you to get back into this time. How many people are getting baptized by John? Okay. Many, many people, right? It says the whole Judean countryside, so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking it's not just one or two people, Okay. It's a lot of people, and from Jerusalem, it says. So there's a lot of people. Now, think of, picture with me. This is the Jordan River, okay? You're, come, you're the people that are coming to be baptized. Can you think of that? Have that in your mind. You're coming to John, getting baptized by John, and what happens? Jesus comes and gets baptized. Now, according to Mark, I don't think that the people realize that it's Jesus, the one coming after me that's mightier than me. I don't get that in Mark. So Jesus comes, John, baptize me. Baptism happens, the Spirit comes on him. And what happens in verse 12? You've got a picture with me, you've got to imagine. I know you all have imaginations, because I do. And I hope you do. You have to imagine with me as we read the next verses together, because it's going to be different, and you'll see why. So, Let's go back to verse 11, okay? And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once, the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness. The Spirit sent him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days. How many days? That's a long time. 40 days being tempted by Satan, he was with the wild animals. He was with the wild animals. He was tempted for 40 days in the wilderness. The Spirit sent him out Into the wilderness, and he was tempted by Satan for forty days. Forty days. Forty days. The Spirit sent him out. This word means to lead one forth or away somewhere with a force which he could not resist. Jesus was sent out, driven out by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. Now, Jesus is the Son of God. And this word, the original word means forcing out. The Spirit forced Him out into the wilderness. For 40 days being tempted by Satan. Did you imagine... What it must have been like. Jesus. John baptize me. John baptizes him. He comes out of the water. The spirit comes down on Jesus. The father says you are my son. I'm well pleased with you. And then he's driven out to the wilderness by that spirit. The Holy Spirit. To be tempted by Satan. Satan. The word tempt here means to try or test one's faith, virtue, character by enticement to sin. Hence, according to the context, equivalent to to solicit to sin, to tempt. The Spirit is with Jesus, drives him to the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by Satan, the adversary of God and Christ. We've been that if you've been baptized, we come out of the water, Holy Spirit comes upon us, and what happens? We're excited the new life, but what also happens? We're tempted even more. I'm just going to be honest with you. If you're a Christian and you have the Holy Spirit in you, you are tempted a lot. Because I'll tell you something, to be real, if you don't have the Spirit, Satan's like, I already got you. But I'm going to tempt those people who have the Spirit. I want to let them fall. I want to make them fall. Jesus, being led in the wilderness, being tempted by Satan... That's all we get in Mark. Tempted for 40 days. He was with the wild animals and angels attended him. I'm going to bring in not another gospel, but a writer said, Our high priest Jesus was tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let me tell you something. If you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, you can conquer sin. You can say no. You can turn from that temptation and say, I don't want that because the Holy Spirit's leading me this way. There's always a way to escape the temptation. And we get that. Jesus being tempted by Satan. One writer said, Mark writes this to say Jesus' whole ministry, He was constantly tempted by Satan. And He always overcame it. Because He's the Son of God. Verse 14. I hope that gave you a picture of what it might have looked like. Because the people came to get baptized by John. John. Jesus gets baptized. They're probably not even noticing him getting driven to the wilderness. Let's go on. Verse 14. We get John again. After John was put in prison. So now John is put in prison. The forerunner of Jesus. I'm preparing the way for the one who's coming after me who's mightier than I. And now John's put in prison. But according to Mark here, there's a good transition. And after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee. Jesus is going to Galilee. John has completed his mission. What was his mission? To prepare the way for the Lord. Another interesting and an eye-opening thing to me, a writer, a speaker pointed out: If you go back to verse three, "Prepare the way for the Lord." The, the Hebrew word, or the word used in the Old Testament for "Lord" is Yahweh. So it's God Himself is coming. Don't bring in the other Gospels. Just Mark: God's here. Jesus is here. All right, verse 14. Jesus went into Galilee. He's going into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. He's teaching, he's preaching the good news of God. Remember what John was doing? He went into the wilderness, or he appeared in the wilderness. He's going, and he's teaching, and he's baptizing. Here's Jesus. He goes into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. Did you catch the key word in that verse? What's the key word to you? And I'll tell you mine because it's a very important two-letter word. Two-letter word. Of. The good news of God. This good news belongs to God. The authority is God's. It's not my good news. It's not your good news. It's the good news of God. He's proclaiming the good news of God. Verse 15. The time has come. This is Jesus speaking. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near, and it's near. Is it very near here? Because Jesus is the king. He's saying the kingdom of God has come near. He didn't say it explicitly, but you can tell. He's like, it's really here. Like, look at me. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Repent and believe the good news. That's a simple message, right? Is it simple? Repent and believe the good news. If somebody comes up to you and says, You need to repent of your sins, what are you thinking? That's hard. That's difficult. I have to repent of my sins. I got to make that change of lifestyle, of a decision I made. I got to change that. I got to repent of that. But Jesus is teaching and proclaiming repent and believe the good news the gospel of God which is me. He didn't say that but that's what I'm putting in there. Because Jesus is going to remember this is just the start of Mark and his ministry. He goes out with the Holy Spirit to the wilderness being tempted. He conquers Satan, right? It does you know, he's not tempted Into sin. He doesn't sin. The angels attend him. Then John's put in prison. And now Jesus starts his ministry. And we're going to go through Mark and it's going to be exciting. Because there's a lot of stuff that Jesus does that you're like, Man, only the Son of God can do that. Healings. People are broken and he's like, hey, I'm here for you. You're a sinner, that's why I came. (laughs) You're broken, that's why I came. You need healing, that's why I came. Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, came, went to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The kingdom of God has come near repent and believe the good news i'm going to end with a few questions for you as we think about going okay how do we go where are we going do you ever ask yourself that where should i go who should i go to what are we going with okay if we go somewhere what are we going to take with us Why are we going? How are we going? When are we going? Now, if you think about going with the good news of Jesus, the good news about Jesus, the good news of God, answer those questions. Where am I going with the good news? Who am I going to with the good news? Are we going to anybody? What are we going with? Are we taking our Bibles? Are we taking something else? Are we um, taking a meal to somebody and saying, hey, I just want to come with you and have a meal with you and um, share some good news with you? Why are we going? Do we go with it like selfishly saying, I want to do this check mark. I did my duty. Or are we sincerely going? How are we going? What are we going to do? When are we going? Are we going at night? Are we going in the morning? When are we doing it? So how do you think about going with the gospel, the good news? I just want you to think about that this week. Where are you going to go? How are you going to do it? And then teaching. What do we teach or preach here at Ferris? What do we do here? I hope it's the good news about Jesus. In Sunday schools, in prayer meetings, Bible studies, time with me in my office. I hope we're sharing and teaching and preaching the good news of Jesus. The Messiah. In our homes. What are we teaching in our homes? Are we teaching the good news of Jesus? Or are we teaching some random stuff that doesn't make sense? What are we doing about teaching? And then the last one, baptize. Baptism to me is important Do you remember your baptism? I think I've asked that to you before, but do you remember your baptism? I took a class in seminary called Creative Worship Class. And one of the first, it was a two-week class, and we were there for like from nine to five every day. And the first lesson we talked about was John's message and Jesus' baptism from Mark chapter 1. And the teacher, while we were studying this, in the middle of us, in a circle, was a bowl of water. Like a mixing bowl of water, okay? And the teachers, um, there was a married couple who were teaching together, which was kind of cool because they do ministry together. And there was a bowl in the middle of water. And the teachers were like, I want you to, each one of you, to get up. And tell us, not by speaking words, but how you remember your baptism. What was it like using that water? So it comes to me. You know, other people were doing it. They were, you could share one sentence or so. And they were saying, this is what I remember. And they did an action with the water. So I get up to the bowl of water, and I said this. I asked permission because... You know, it's one bowl of water. People are putting their hands in it and all that. So, I was like, I was immersed, so can I just dunk my head in there, please? Because I couldn't fit my whole body in there, okay? So I went over to the bowl of water. They said it was okay, and I was just like, Psh, and came up out. Because that's what you do. That's what I remember. You're going into the water, and you're coming out. A new life. And this is what I wrote in the journal. We had journal entries every day. I said, I look back and reflect on my own personal baptism and see the change that was made. It wasn't an instantaneous change for me, but a gradual, still work-in-progress change. I'm changing every day and learning new things about Jesus and how He worked and works today. I identified with Jesus and was baptized in 1997. But the journey didn't start and stop with baptism. The baptism was the start of my lifelong journey to grow up in Christ and live out what Jesus wants me to do in this life to further His work. Jesus gets all the praise and glory for who I am because I'm clothed in Jesus. I want to put on Jesus each and every day so people know who it is that is working in me. We baptize here. Right? But it doesn't start and stop at the baptism. It's a lifelong progress. It's a journey that starts at baptism. And that's why I think Jesus got baptized. The Father says, I'm pleased with you. Now you can do the ministry. you can come talk to me more about it, but that's what I think. Jesus gets the Holy Spirit, and John's out of the way, and Jesus begins His ministry here on earth, and there's power. There's power in the Holy Spirit. If you don't know it, there's power. That's why we go, we teach, we baptize. I hope that the next time you look at our sign, a bulletin, the website, the Facebook page, and you see that go, teach, baptize, why do we do it? And then say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go, I'm going to teach the good news of Jesus, and I'm going to invite people to be baptized. Say, this is why we do it at Ferris. So if you need to make a decision... Jesus and John, before Jesus, had the same message of the first thing you got to do, repent. You have to repent of sin. Then you confess Jesus as Lord and Savior. Remember Peter says, Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? Peter said, you're the Messiah, the Son of God. What did Mark start off with? The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God. And then you get baptized, immersed in the water, you're buried with Jesus, and then you're raised just like Jesus was to a new life. That's why we baptize. Then you get forgiven of your sins and the Holy Spirit comes on you. Then you got power. When people talk about the Holy Spirit and you say power, sometimes people are like, power? But you have power. To go out into that world that we live in, even though we're tempted constantly, 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 you can overcome the temptation because Jesus overcame the temptation of Satan. And remember Jesus in the book of Hebrews says, He was tempted like we are, yet without sin. We can overcome temptation. Because the Holy Spirit's in us and working in us and there's power in that. That's why I go teach and baptize. That's why John was the forerunner of Jesus. Says Jesus is coming to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to come. And then Jesus says repent and believe the good news. So I'm going to call you today. If you need to, that's simple but very challenging. Repent and believe the good news. And if you've already done that, go out these doors and tell somebody about it. I need to as well. So let's pray as we come and sing our last song. God, thank you so much for the gospel of Mark. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. I pray that we would be excited to learn more about who Jesus is and what He did in His ministry on earth. The kingdom of God is near. Jesus is the King. Thank you. Thank you, God, for sending Jesus and saying, this is my Son in whom I am well-pleased. Help us today to know and understand and be excited to learn and learn and learn more about who Jesus is and how he changes lives. Because I've experienced a changed life and I know and experienced other people has changed lives as well. I've seen it and I... I love you, God, for that because there's no other name under heaven that's more mighty or more powerful than Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.